Yes, hello, this is Kenneth Anderson's podcast, and it is the 27th of February 2021. The time is 20.37, and it is Saturday. Now, today I am uh, cutting a bit uh, short, or cutting this podcast up to a little beat, uh, pieces, because um, I have a hurt back, and if I start to talk for an almost long, long time, I tend to um, it tends to clog up or it tends to be irritated. So I have to maybe talk for 15 minutes and then just uh, take a break and then come back again. So uh, I have just finished the Danish podcast. It was about well, there was a lot of topics, but one of them was. Uh, as in the English uh, version, about parenting and and about being an overprotective parent. And also I believe that we now I'm going to be addressing the abandoning or rejecting parents, parents who do not give enough, enough attention to uh, the young children to their own children, of course, and how this neglect can uh, mold a child into the adolescent and into the adulthood, uh, how it can be affected in a negative way. So let's just start by reading this out loud. Let's just, I do not know how long time it goes before this picture becomes the picture that is... Uh, the one I can choose from. So let's just uh, analyze the situation. We as humans, we need love and affection and kindness, especially from our parents, of course, but also from people close to us, close friends and family. And if we do not receive it, we tend to isolate ourselves. We tend to lack belief in ourselves. So love from other human beings, uh, from close friends and relatives, is extremely important. And if we do not receive it, we tend to lash out. We tend to search for, in, search for it in places that we think we are going to receive it. It can be that perhaps we are searching for it in the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or validation in any numerous of these uh, groups or these, um, what do you call them, apps on your phone. But you soon realize that it's not there where you f- will find true happiness. And that is what I believe every human being needs to strive for. We need a certain amount of happiness in our lives. We need a certain amount of being glad that we are alive, but also looking forward to something in our life. And it's very difficult, I know, in this current situation where the government is basically taking away the freedoms of every population around the world. So how can we cope and deal with it? Well, first and foremost, we need to accept the situation, but we also need to stay away from 
negative impacts, negative opinions, and also an attempt for your mind to be taken over by the government. That is also, uh, and, and that we can also be a victim of. So very importantly, that we take our mind back to ourselves. We decide what we put through our eyes and ears. We decide what we are going to allow ourselves to be affected by. And by doing so, we are basically also taking our willpower back. Our willpower to say no to all the negative things that we can occupy our mind with. So let's just read out loud this uh, book and see if there's anything that can be beneficial for us that we can use in our everyday life. So let's just change the scenes here. And we have come to the abandoning or rejection of parents. Parental mirror, you are worthless. And let's just see here. I just, as I usually do, run a bit down and I make it yellow so I can more easily read it out loud. Let's just see how long time we have here. Yeah. Yes, and we just do like this also. Yes. Yes. So, let's just move back here. The abandoning or, uh, yeah. The abandoning or rejecting parents, parental mirror, you are worthless. Some parents abandon their children physically through death, prolonged illness or divorce leaving the home and seldom, if ever, seeing them again, or by shipping them off to boarding school. Other parents abandon their children emotionally by being emotionally unavailable, by punishing their children with silence or rejection. Both forms of abandonment are devastating to a child, usually creating emotional scars that do not heal without professional intervention. Children who are physically abandoned are particularly wounded because they often feel as if they have no value. This is how my client Nancy describes her feelings about her being abandoned by her parents. I felt like my parents threw me away, like some worthless garbage. Nancy's parents got a divorce when she was four years old and sent her to live with her grandparents, just until they each got settled in their new jobs and new lives. Her grandmother was very strict. Nancy missed her parents terrible. Uh, sorry, Nancy missed her parents terribly and could not understand why they had abandoned her. Her mother came to see her once in a while and always promised to take her to live with her soon. Each time her mother left, Nancy felt abandoned all over again. She would look herself in, sorry, lock herself in her room and cry for hours certain that she had done something wrong to make her mother abandon her like that. Occasionally her father called, but always had some excuse as to why he couldn't visit. 
Nancy became confident. Sorry, Nancy became convinced that her parents had rejected her because she hadn't been a good daughter. She became very insecure, fearing that her grandmother would reject her as well. This made her try hard to be a perfect child. But since this was impossible, she began feeling like a worthless failure whenever she made a mistake or disappointed her grandmother. Some parents find parenting too demanding or difficult. They resolve their dilemma by abandoning the burden of parenting, leaving their children solely in the care of a nanny or babysitter, sending them off to boarding school or giving them away. Parents who abandon their children often rationalize their actions by saying that their child is better off without them or, in the case of boarding school, that they are providing him or her with the best opportunities money can buy. But their real intention is to be free of childcare. Parents who escape into alcohol, drugs, sleep, television or books also abandon their children because they are essentially not there emotionally. Jennifer told me the painful story of how it felt to be raised by a mother who was emotionally detached from her. My mother is just never present, even if she is in the same room with me. Room with me, I can't really feel her. I just can't connect with her. When I was a child, it was extremely painful to be around her because I always felt so empty and alone in her presence. She didn't take an interest in anything I did or listen to anything I had to say. She would just look at me with a blank stare when I tried to talk to her. She reminded me of a ghost sometimes, kind of floating around. Most of the time she had her head stuck in a book off in some fancy fantasy world. In many ways I felt I feel I sorry, in many ways I feel like I never had a mother. Parents who are so tied up with their work or interest that they have no time for their children are, in effect, abandoning them. Often parents abandon their children because they are unable or unwilling to spend time with them. Parents who have professions that take them away from home, such as truck driving or traveling sales, are often unable to fulfill their responsibilities as a parent. Although this usually cannot be helped, the abandoned child feels is no less poignant. Many fathers abandoning their children when they get divorced from their children's mother. They make all kinds of excuses for cutting off their ties with the children, including that their mother is demanding too much child support, or that the father needed to move out of the area for a job. But the fact is, the children feels abandoned. Psychologically abandonment, rejection as abandonment. Some parents simply don't want to bother with their children, which they make very clear by their actions. Whenever their child needs help with his homework, help making a decision or someone to listen to his problems, the parents say something like, can't you see I'm busy? Don't bother with these things or go ask your father to help you or even, I don't want to deal with your problems. When a parent put the child off and passes the buck to the other parents, the child senses his parents' lack of love and concern for him. Other parents communicate this same message more subtle by allowing their children to do whatever they want, 
but in their lenience, they too are not taking an interest in their children's activities. Parents can also show how they feel about a child by their sins of omission, such as forgetting a child's birthday, neglecting to give him gifts, buying gifts that he clearly does not want, or failing to make positive comments about him, particularly when he has done something outstanding. Although a great deal of parental abandonment is unintentional or a result of inadequacies or selfishness on their part, some abandonment is intentionally downplaying a child's success or saying something negative about him to someone who has just complimented him can be a way of intentionally hurting his feelings. Some parents routinely abandon their children as a form of discipline, such as when a parent gives a child the silent treatment, when he disapproves of what the child is doing. Rejecting parents use their power and importance to sorry their power and importance to their child's sorry to their children to control them. Children are so attached to and dependent on their parents that they lose sorry that a loss of support of a parent can be devastating. When my mother was upset with me, she would routinely stop talking to me. We lived in a very small apartment, so it was difficult for us not to cross each other's path. Nevertheless, my mother would walk right past me or even sit in the same room without looking at me or saying a word. If I spoke to her, she would ignore me. Sometimes she wouldn't talk to me for days. I would have to beg for her forgiveness for whatever transgression I had committed, but she still would not talk to me until she was ready. This left me feeling utterly abandoned. My mother also used the threat of abandonment to control me. When I did something that upset her, she would say, If you don't start minding me, I'm going to send you to a covenant. This is a common tactic by some abandoning, rejecting parents. In the heat of anger or frustration, some parents tell their children things like, If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have gotten married to your father and had your you kids. And had your kids. While parents can sometimes secretly think these things, these thoughts should definitely be kept private, because they are correctly interpreted by the child as outright rejections. Some parents actually say these kinds of things to intentionally hurt their child hurt their child. The mirror held up by abandoning and rejecting parents. The secure child is nourished by the confidence that her relationship with her parents is strong and enduring and that nothing she does will make her parents abandon her. When a child does not have this inner certainty, her life is marked by it. Children who are routinely abandoned or rejected, whether intentionally or not, tends to suffer from extreme insecurity and feelings of worthlessness. They often become very upset when their parents leave to go to go somewhere, confident that their parents will never return. This insecurity and fear often constitutes into adulthood, resulting in insecure adults who are clingy with their adult partners or who are afraid to be alone. And let's just take a small break now and I can stretch my back.
This was the case with Nina, who came to see me because she was being physically abused by her husband. As in the case with many ab ab abused women, Nina stayed in the relationship because she was horrified of being alone. I know I should leave my husband, but I am so afraid of being alone. At least now I have someone who needs me. Yes, he is possessive and jealous, but there's something I like about that. It makes me feel like he likes being with me. My parents never did. They were always going out and leaving me alone with some babysitter, and I never knew when they'd be coming back. I remember standing at the front window watching them drive away and crying my eyes out because I thought they were gone for good. Even when they were home, I never felt like they enjoyed being with me. They just seemed to tolerate me, and I was always doing something that upset and disappointed them. Abandonment creates insecurity, self-obsession, and a tendency to turn anger against oneself and to idolize others. These feelings fend up beneath the surface, where they interfere with self-image and the forming of healthy relationships. Adults who have been abandoned as children tend to lack the confidence to reach their true potential. They also have difficulty delaying gratification, sorry, delaying gratification, and their low self-worth causes them to go for the quick fix. They eat the chocolate cake because they need it now, forfeiting the chance to have the body they desire. Abandonment can also create self-loathing. Tammy hated herself. She hated how she looked, but it went far deeper than that. She hated who she was. When I looked in the mirror, I feel so disgusted. I just can't stand the person I have become. Tammy came to me because she was a cutter. A person who has an uncontrollable compulsive to cut herself. Research has shown that 50% of cutters have been sexually abused, and so my immediate assumption was that perhaps this was the case of Tammy's self-loathing. But as far as Tammy could remember, she had never been molested. Instead, it appeared that her self-loathing was caused by the deep sense of abandonment she felt concerning her father. Even though Tammy's father came home from work every day and spent the evening with his family, Tamma felt horrible abandoned by him horribly abandoned by him. I don't remember my father ever hugged me, she explained in one of our sessions. In fact, he seldom ever even looked at me. When I came close to him, he actually backed away, as if he was repulsed by me. It made me feel so ugly and so terrible about myself. I figured I must be a disgusting human being for my own father to be so revolted by me. And now we come to the smothering possessive parents. Let's just go down here so I have something to read. So, of course, I'm not saying that it's a, a good read, this uh, book, uh, but we need to get through these um, points here in order for us to identify uh, which category we find ourselves in, so we can make uh, changes to ourselves. Let's just take that one here. Yes. Uh, 
and now we go back to where we came from. So let's just see here where we came to. Boom, boom, boom. The only controlling tyrannical parents. Uh, yeah. Uh, the merit is more than a person's parent. Emotional incest, yes. Uh, we have a lot of negative stuff to go through here, I can see. Uh, let's just see here. Uh, yes, yes, yes. This mother ring. Let's just see here. I thought I had a point made here. Uh, 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 uh. Where did I go wrong here? Abandoning or directing parents. Um, we have got too. We have gone too far now. I, can, I cannot find where I was. Let's just shut the video off and I. Yes, and I found it again. The smothering, possessive or intrusive parents. Parental mirror, you are nothing without me. This type of parent smothers his or her children with overprotection, guilt, rules and demands. Many are desperate for their child's love and attention. Smothering parents are overly invested in their children, often making huge sacrifices and commitments but expecting the child's soul in return. They often go to any length to make certain that their children do not experience the necessary separation sorry the necessary separation in separation in division process and have independence lives and have independence lives. I want you all for myself is the underlying theme and the mirror the smothering parents hold up to the child is you are nothing without me. Mark's mother did everything for him. When he was a child he continued to cut up his food even after he was capable of doing so himself. She continued to clean his room well into high school and never required him to do any household chores. Both his parents were overprotective to the point of smothering. They constantly warned him about the potential dangers all around him. Don't go into the deep water, you'll drown. Don't ever use a public toilet or you'll get a disease. They discouraged him from roller skating because they were afraid he'd fall and break a bone. And they didn't let him take the training wheels off his bicycle until he was seven years old. This overprotectiveness doomed Mark to become an underachiever as an adult. His parents' negative views of life became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And because his mother had done everything for him, he never learned how to assume responsibility for himself or his possessions. His lack of survival knowledge was embarrassing to him, and he tended to neglect his health and his physical appearance. Smothering parents emotionally and sometimes physically engulf their children. They can be controlling, overbearing, or simply ever-present in their child's life. This indulgement discourages independency and breeds unhealthy dependence. 
it also can create an attitude of hopelessness and powerlessness on a child's part. If, if everything is done for you, as it was in Mark's case, or if you are discouraged from trying things on your own, how can you know what you are capable of? There are several types of smothering possessive parents. There are several types of po- smothering possessive parents. Those who are motivated primarily by fear. Fear of something bad happening to their child, as with, with, with Mark's parents. Those who need to control their children. Those who want their children to think, feel and do just as they do. Those who do not feel separate from their children and therefore do not want their children to be independent from them. Those who fear being alone and therefore attempt to tie their children to them by making them dependent on them. Those who see their children as reflections of themselves, narcissistic parents. Those who use their child to satisfy needs that should be satisfied by other adults. While people who were neglected or abandoned often feel invisible, those who were smothered often feel the opposite. They tend to feel overly scrutinized, so much so that they wish for a place to hide from the ever-present gaze of their parents. Often they look is often the look is that of a disapproving parent who is just waiting for them to do something wrong. Other times the look is that of a worried parent who fears someone or something will hurt her child. Whatever the intentions of the look, the result is that children who are smothered and indulged often have a difficult time discovering who they are apart from their parents and in separating from that gaze. Even when I was out of my mother's sight, I still felt her looking at me, my client Samantha told me. It was as if her eyes followed me wherever I went. As a matter of fact, I still feel those eyes on me today, judging me every move. Still another client, Monica, explained in it like this. It is as if my eyes are my mother's eyes. I see everything from the context of whether or not she will approve of what I am doing or whether she would approve of a person I am with. It's like I'm never really on my own. To make my own decisions, to make my own mistakes. The reason Samantha and Monica experiences life this way is that their mother discourages their individuality. Both mothers were overly invested in their daughters becoming replicas of themselves. They wanted them to think, feel and act just the way they did. Any differences were viewed as threatening. Smothering parents often have difficulty seeing their children as separate human beings with their own needs and feelings. Let's just take that one more time. Smothering parents often have difficulty seeing their children as separate human beings with their own needs and feelings. They often assume they know what their children or child needs and insist they know what their child is thinking. This mind reading can be especially damaging to a child because it makes him feel intruded upon and separate him, separates him from his own private world. 
This is how my client Jordan explained it. My dad always thought he knew what I was thinking and feeling. Instead of asking me what I was feeling, he'd tell me. I hated it when he did that. It was like I couldn't even have my own private thoughts without him intruding upon them. What really bothered me was that sometimes he was right. That really freaked me out. It was like he had the power to read my mind. I had no place to hide. Some smothering parents insist that their children adopt their values. This is often true of highly religious parents, but it also occurs in the home of people who come from other countries and have maintained their old country's traditions. I have uh, had many clients from Europe, South, Af South America and Mexico whose parents were overly smothering, including my client Lupe, whose parents came from central Mexico. My dad acted as if he owned me, body and soul. I had absolutely no say in what I wanted to do. Everything was dictated by what was proper for a young girl. When I was little, I had to wear these frilly dresses, which I hated. I was always stuck in the kitchen with my mother and aunt and could never play games out in the backyard like my brothers were allowed to do. As I got older, I still had no choices. I was told I had to go to Catholic high school, that I had to take certain classes and that I couldn't date until I was 18 and then only if my older brother went along as a chaperone. When Lupe uh, finished high school, she wanted to go on to college, but her father insisted they didn't have enough money to send a girl to school when they still had two more boys coming up. Even when Lupe got a college scholarship, her father insisted that she stay home to take care of her ailing grandmother. Lupe quickly obeyed her father. I know American girls would have fought for what they wanted, but you just don't disagree with my dad, not in our culture. That would have meant I don't love him, and it would have been like turning my back on everything I was raised to believe in. When Lupe first came to see me, she was 25 years old. She had fallen in love with a white man, and she knew her father would never accept him. I know what I need to do. I need to say goodbye to Tom. I just wish I didn't love him so much. I've tried walking away, but we work together, and seeing him every day causes me almost unbearable pain. But I can't hurt my father like this. I just can't. This would be a difficult situation for anyone, but for someone who had never been allowed to make her own choices, the situation was particularly daunting. Lupe had started suffering from horrible stomach pains and she was missing a lot of work because of it. I guess I'm just going to have to quit my job. That way I won't have to see Tom. I don't know what else to do. It didn't occur to Lupe that her health was being affected by her inability to stand up to her father and do what was right for herself. Now we come to the possessive parents. Let's just take a small break now and I come back again. The positive parents. Sorry, the possessive parents. The possessive parents want to control 
own and consume her child. She begins when her child is an infant, overprotecting him, holding him so close that he may feel suffocated. When the child reaches the age where he wants to begin to explore the world separate from his parents, the possessive parents feel threatened and cling to her child even tighter. This need to possess can continue throughout childhood, causing the parents to feel jealous of anything and everyone that threatens to take him away. For example, the parents may discourage her child from making friends by always finding faults with each one of his playmates. Instead of beginning to loosen the rein a little as she becomes older and more mature, she may become even more strict insisting on knowing at all times where her child is going and with whom. When he begins to take an interest in dating, the possessive parents may become especially threatened and may either forbid her child to date or make him feel that no one is good enough for him. Some fathers and stepfathers become very possessive of their daughters, this can come out of a reluctance to acknowledge that one day their little girl will grow up and marry. But other times it arises out of the fact that their father is sexually around, sorry. But other times it arises out of the fact that the father is sexually aroused by his daughter and doesn't want any other man to have her. This kind of father will typically forbid his daughter to date and will be horrified if she wears anything that he feels is slightly bit revealing or the slightest bit revealing. Emotionally incest, other parents become what is called emotionally incestuous with their children. These parents desperately crave their child's love and attention their message to their child, although usually unspoken, is Above all, always be available, available to me. Parents who have been divorced or widowed often attempt to replace the lost spouse with their own child. If a parent treats his or her child like a confidant or friend instead of maintaining, maintaining a parent-child relationship, this is a form of emotional incest. It is not a child's role to make parents feel good or to listen to their problems. Emotionally incestuous parents turn to their children to satisfy needs that should be satisfied by other adults, namely intimacy, companionship, romantic stimulation, advice, problem-solving, ego fulfillment and or emotional release. Emotional incest can take many forms. On one end of the spectrum, the parents treat the child more like a body or a peer. She either becomes childlike herself and may even interfere with her child's social life by wanting to hang out with the child's friends, or she expects her child to act like an adult friend who will talk to her about adult issues and feelings. She may also emotionally dump on her child by taking or talking about her problems to the child. This can include complaining to the child about the other parents. 
Sometimes both parents dump on a child in a way that puts the child in the middle. On the other end of the spectrum, the parents turn to a child of the opposite sex for the intimacy and companionship one would normally expect to find in a romantic relationship. There is often a flirtatious, teasing quality in this relationship and in many cases an undercurrent of sexuality. The mirror that smothering or possessive parents hold up to their children. Smothering or possessive parents do not allow their children the space to grow and develop their unique personalities. Let's just take that one more time. Smothering or possessive parents do not allow their children the space to grow and develop their unique personalities. Because they do not allow their children to separate from them, they restrict and limit their children's potential to make something of themselves in the world. Because adult children of smothering parents are overly concerned about their parents being devastated when they leave home, many do not do so. The one who physically leave home often remain emotionally bond to their parents. Donna's parents discourages her from leaving home by warning her of all the dangers there were for young women. Every evening, her father would read some horror stories in the local paper about a woman who had gone missing and had been raped. Her parents also stressed that young girls has no business going out to dance clubs. These young girls are asking for trouble, they say. Donna actually got up the courage to move out when she was 22, right after she graduated from college. She and her friend Mary found an apartment together, but she soon felt compelled to move back home. Mary went out almost every night and I felt lonely and scared in that apartment all alone. She tried to get me to go out with her to the clubs, but I really didn't like it. I knew my dad didn't like me going there and that it made my parents worry about me. Besides, my dad told me that my mother had been really depressed ever since I left home. A smothering parent assumes that her child's mistakes will trap him for life, and so she will try to manage her child's life in such a way that the child will accept his parents' attitudes, uh, parents' attitudes about the world. We saw this happening with Lupe early in the chapter. The problem is that the parent's behavior prevents an adult child from developing his own attitudes and beliefs. Although a smothering parent may only be trying to protect her child from harm and disappointment, her attempts may actually emotionally cripple the child later in life, causing him to fear ventures out on his own or trying new things. If a child identifies with his parent's overprotective attitude, as we saw with the example of Mark, he will live his life in fear, doomed to being an underachiever. If he is unable to take risks out of fear of getting hurt, he will never experience the joy of accomplishment and the pride of reaching his potential. This will eventually cause him to feel like a failure and to suffer from low self-esteem. When parents transmit a lack of confidence in their children's ability to get along in the world or constantly warn them of how people are untrustworthy, 
they often create a self-fulfilling prophecy in which the child grows up overwhelmed with insecurity or expecting people to disappoint, hurt or take advantage of him or her. Because their parents' needs cancel their own adult children, sorry, because their parents' needs cancel their own, adult children often smothering or possessive parents are often unable to discover what their own needs are. And many grow up to passively accept even unacceptable behavior instead of asserting themselves. Many who were smothered in this way end up also being controlled by their partners, bosses or other significant people in their lives. Let's just see how long time we have left. 40 minutes, yes. So now we have um, this with the smothering and overprotective parents. If you can if you can say yes to these uh, points here, it is a good idea <clears throat> for you to analyze your situation and perhaps even confront your parents with this and even take on the task of leaving them not only um, physically but also especially emotionally. This um, could also mean that you have to search or seek a psychiatrist that can help you uh, cope and deal with the emotional scars that your parents have um, has put upon you. Um, <clears throat> And these emotional scars can be a bit difficult to address or or see in yourself if you have these parents because perhaps you have been smothered so much that you actually feel like a king or a queen in your own house or in your parents' house and that it's very difficult to leave because It is very comfortable for you, of course. And of course, I'm not saying that if you have uh, controlling parents that smother you and tell you that the outside world is very dangerous, I'm not saying that they are doing it to hurt you. Perhaps they are doing it because they love and care for you so much that they do not want you to get hurt. But in the process, You do not allow yourself to form your own opinion, form, for, form your own personality. And that can be very troublesome when you hit adolescence and your adulthood. The overly controlling tyrannical parents. Parental mirror, you are powerless. Lorraine is an attractive woman with large dark eyes, flawless skin and a luxurious mouth. So a luscious mouth. She was once considered voluptuous but is now extremely overweight. But what stands out the most about Lorraine is that she talks and acts like a little girl. At nearly 40 years old, she has the mannerism of a young child. Although she is quite intelligent, she frequently appears confused and cannot easily understand instructions from her employers, which has cost her more than one job. 
Why does Lorraine behave the way she does? She is still suffering from the emotional abuse she experienced as a child at the hands of her mother. When Lorraine was a child, she was expected to act like an adult. Her mother insisted that she and her sisters take responsibility for cleaning the entire house while she was at work. This wouldn't have been so bad except that her mother was a perfectionist. The girls could never do anything right. Lorraine remember one time when her mother told her to scrub the kitchen floor even though she was only six years old. As usual, when her mother got home from work, she inspected the house, looking for anything out of place or left undone. When she found stuff marked on the kitchen floor, she became furious. She yelled at Lorraine, calling her a stupid God-good-for-nothing girl who never did anything right. Lorraine was humiliated. She told her mother that she had tried and tried, but was not able to get the shroff marks off, shroff marks off, scuff marks, sorry, off. Even though it was past Lorraine's bedtime, her mother insisted that she scrubbed the floor until the marks were completely gone. This took hours. By the time the marks were gone, Lorraine's fingers were bruised and bleeding. Lorraine still remembers how helpless and hopeless she felt as she desperately tried to get the scuff marks off the floor. Today, whenever a boss asks her to do something, Lorraine panics. She is so afraid of doing something wrong that she becomes frozen in fear and is unable to move. It takes her several minutes to come back to herself, and by that time she has forgotten what her boss asked her to do. The mirror that Lorraine's mother held up led Lorraine to believe that she was powerless and incapable of doing anything right. This prevented Lorraine from developing self-efficacy and positive self-esteem. It also stunned her emotional growth, leaving her feeling like a perpetual child, overwhelmed by authority figures and responsibility. The tyrannical parents has a cruel and inflexible style on parenting, Often, even members of the household, including her spouse, is expected to blindly obey her and grant all her wishes, no matter how outrageous. This type of parents usually believe strongly in rules and obedience, and that the authorities of parents should never be questioned. They attempt to dominate their children completely, needing to feed in control over others in order to feel powerful and important. Sometimes this controlling behavior is dictated by perfectionism, as was the case with Lorraine's mother. Other times parents are motivated by a sheer need to dominate, often because they were dominated by their own parents. They are often passing on the same behavior to their children and ventilating the anger they could not express to their own parents. A child growing up with an overly controlling parent Here's a barrage of commands, orders and suggestions about anything and everything, including what food to eat, how to eat them, what clothes to wear, what classes to take in school, or what type of person to date. Many children feel tyrannized sorry. Many children feel tyrannized by their parents' moods. My father's moods fluctuated constantly, my client Terrain told me during his first session. We'd be getting along just fine, and then suddenly, for no reason, he would blow up and yell at me about something. 
Then he'd insist I do something stupid, like go out and mow the lawn, even though it had just been mowed a few days before. The mirror controlling or tyrannical parents hold up. Children who grow up with a tyrant for a parent will feel weakened from their encounters with their parents and will inevitably have deep emotional scars from the experience. Like Lorraine, they will doubt their ability and may feel unbearable pressure when asked to do something, particularly when an authority figure is doing the asking. They often feel stupid, inadequate and incompetent, and these feelings usually discourage them from trying new things or taking risks. The following email is an example of how controlling parents can break a child's spirit. Dear Beverly, I have read your book, The Emotionally Abused Women, and learned a lot from it. I am a 28-years-old woman who is still living with my parents. My mother is verbally abusive, and there has been an incident of physical abuse. I feel so ashamed to still be living at home at my age, but I don't have enough money after my monthly bill are paid to seriously save to move out. I left college a year ago because of personal and financial reasons. My parents are extremely disappointed that I didn't finish and remind me of that often. I quit college because it would have meant quitting my job and being even more dependent on my parents. The situation continues to get worse. I cannot stand being around my parents. All my life I have felt inferior. I want to leave, but I don't have the money. I feel I can't take any more. But my parents say, if I would just listen to them, my life would be better. Are they right? Just as too much physical force can break a child's bones, too much control can break a child's spirit and fracture his psyche. It can cause a splintering of self, causing a child to disown some parts of himself and to inflate others. Children growing up with their tyrannical parents often become what is referred to by professionals as hypervigilant, meaning they develop extraordinary ability to notice any warning signs of an independent attack. They learn to recognize subtle changes in the facial expressions and voices and body language of others as a signal of anger, intoxication, dissociation or sexual arousal. When they sense danger, they attempt to protect themselves by either avoiding or plattering the other person. In addition, children with a tyrannical parents usually carry around a great deal of repressed anger. Repressed because they cannot afford to admit they have it, much less risk expressing it. And now we come to the perfectionist parents. Of course, if you have a tyrannical parents here, I would highly suggest that you try as good as you can to perhaps have some close friends by and perhaps even asking them if they will allow you to move in with them and help pay the rent, for example, if they live in a, an apartment, so that you get away from this tyrannical parents because they will only devour your soul even more and 
will left will leave you devastated and not so uh, and your thoughts will not be so pleasant uh, about yourself so leaving is extremely important doing it, uh, doing it as quickly as possible because these parents are not good for you they are bad for you and they will eventually break you down and this breaking down can actually cause you uh, to um, consider suicide and of course this is very very bad so i would suggest that you find professional help but also try as good as you can to get out of it if you can move out if you have a close friend by move in with him and her because that will that will put a distance between you and the parents if you are living at home the perfectionistic parents parental mirror you are never good enough perfectionistic parents are often driven by a fear of disorder uncleanliness or flaws they tend to put a great value on appearance status and material possessions or on what others will think many feel strongly that anything short of perfection is failure consequently they are also domineering and tyrannical when it comes to what they expect from their children let's just see how long time we have left yes we just take one more this one and and then we finish off Rod, Rod's father expected him to excel in everything he attempted. During high school and college, his father insisted he bring home all A's, sorry, all A's, all all A's, be class president every year and shine on the football field. Nevertheless, to say this was a heavy burden. Whenever Rod made a mistake, his father would always say to him, "Get on the stick, Wilson." Whenever he complained about being tired or showed any weakness, his father would say, "There's no room for winners at the top." Sorry, winners, whiners at the top. By the time Rod graduated from college, he was emotionally numb. I pushed myself so hard all my life that I don't even know who I am. When I look in the mirror, I don't even recognize who I see. We all heard of perfectionistic parents who push their children to excel in a particular sport in academies or in other endeavors. Oh. These children are given the powerful message, sometimes spoken, often unspoken, that they only have value if they perform to their parents' satisfaction. Oftentimes, this is because the parents is living through their child trying to make up for his own lost dreams. Perfectionistic parents tend to have disdain for flaws of any kind. This makes them especially critical of their children's appearance. My mother was always concerned about the way I looked. My client Veronica told me, she hated my teeth, which were crooked like my father's. So she taught me how to smile without showing my teeth. She couldn't wait until I was old enough to bear to get braces, but even then she seemed to be embarrassed by the fact that I had to wear them. Veronica's mother's concerns about her appearance understandably made her very self-conscious. I thought I was a really ugly duckling, she confided. I thought everyone had the same reaction to my teeth as, and later my braces as my mother did, that they couldn't stand to look at me. 
Today, even though I have nice straight teeth, I still smile with my mouth closed and put my hands in front of my mouth a lot. The mirror of perfectionistic parents hold up to their children. Instead of receiving encouragement and support from their parents, children of perfectionistic parents tend to receive only criticism, demands and sometimes ridicule. Consequently, they often grow up feeling inadequate, incapable, awkward or inept, inept. since they receive little praises or constructive guidance Their self-esteem is usually very low, and they have little faith in their own abilities. They are often overwhelmed with anxiety whenever they have to perform in any way, and this sets them up for failure. In addition, people people raised by perfectionistic parents tend to suffer from any or all of the following problems. A sense that they are valued for what they do instead of for who they are doing versus being. A tendency to be self-critical, never satisfied with themselves or their performance. A tendency to doubt themselves and to second-guess. An inability to identify and express their emotions. Compulsive behavior, extreme dieting, over-exercising, excessive cleaning. Depression. Now we come to Hypocritical, shaming parents. But this is for a different podcast, because now we have had enough <laughs> of this, and I'm sorry that uh, the book is not so uplifting, it's not filled with love and kindness uh, at all. I do not read this uh, these books uh, beforehand. I do not do that because I need to also have it in my mind the first time. I have to think about what I have read now and in the next podcast or in this podcast I will try to explain uh, my viewpoint on the topic because this was a bit of a heavy podcast. It get it got a bit close. Uh, I believe that There was no no one who who felt left out here, but of course it is there to or therefore us to search for the problems that we have. If we have low self-esteem, where does that low self-esteem come from? Can we analyze ourselves? Or can we analyze our parents enough and admit to ourselves that we have had parents who have neglected us in any of these ways that I have been reading out loud for the past hour? And can we take up the challenge that it is to cope and deal with these stresses that we have had in our life concerning our parents? And can we taking into consideration that we need to take our own life back. We need to make our own decisions about our own life and not allow our parents to to dictate who we are and what they expect of us. 
I'm not saying that a little bit of expectations from parents is bad, but it is when it, it tips over to the extreme. And these examples is the extreme examples, of course. So you need to be aware of the fact that I do not hope that you are in any of these categories of extreme parenting, but perhaps you have had some parents or you have parents that have shown a little bit of these uh, tendencies. And then I hope that you can discover them and that you can perhaps even see in your own life what is hindering you to reach your full potential in life. This is my hope for my podcast, of course. It is not made there for you to be hurt, uh, to have your feelings hurt, of course. But I get it, of course, when I read out this book uh, that gets very, very close uh, to who we are as humans and our upbringing and our, our, uh, our parents, it can uh, feel a bit hurtful, of course. But if you feel hurt in some way, that is an indicator that perhaps there is something here that you can work on. Perhaps there is something here that you can take from my podcast and start building a beautiful and kind relationship with yourself, accepting who you are as a human being and loving and showing kindness towards yourself. Meditating on loving and kindness uh, will also help you great. And showing loving kindness towards yourself will help you build the confidence of eventually forgiving your parents for whatever misfortune that they have put upon you. And of course, by forgiving them, you also get an opportunity to love them, to love them back, even though uh, they made some mistakes in the past. I also have parents that make mistakes, and if I uh, become a parent in the future, I also will make mistakes. But now I have read these books, uh, or this book out loud, I basically has no, I have no excuse if I become a parent to act in either one of these ways. But of course, human emotions can be very difficult. I cannot say what I would, how I would react to receiving the precious gift of a child uh, if I found someone to truly love. So human emotions, it is a bit tricky. It's not so that I can read out this uh, book as I've been reading and just say, well, you just need to do this and this and this, and then you are, uh, uh, and everything is, is dandy. Of course not. Uh, because when it, it comes to human emotions, it, uh, it can be an uphill battle. It can be very difficult. And of course, I would highly suggest you to search or seek for professional help if you feel you need it. If you feel that it perhaps is too uh, hurtful to go on this journey by yourself, I would highly suggest that you 
uh, search for a psychiatrist or sorry, yeah, psychiatrist who can help you deal and cope with the emotion, emotional scars that you have received from your parents who have neglected you in either one of these ways. I hope, of course, if you have had some good parents uh, and you have you if you, and you can say no to everything that, I, that I'm reading out loud from this book, then you are of safe, of course. But I hope still that you can you can see that other human beings perhaps have had these experiences, and perhaps that's why they are the way they are. Perhaps you meet, meet a person who is a bit off. But now you know that perhaps that person has been neglected or has been mistreated by his or her parents. And then perhaps you can forgive yourself for having bad thoughts about that person. Thinking about another person or putting yourself in his or her shoes can perhaps make you feel more lovable, more kind towards your fellow human beings, thinking about other human beings the way you want them to think about you. So with loving kindness, I believe that we can conquer the world. We can conquer our own personality. We can mold our own personality into becoming even better human beings than than we were yesterday. So I hope this podcast is over now, but I hope you love each other and are kind to one another. And I hope that you can take something away from this podcast that you can use in your own life. And of course, I hope you, uh, I'm not so, you are not so hurt by uh, the podcast because it, it went a bit close uh, for comfort, I believe, for, for many people who listen including myself, of course. And I know that we are eventually coming to uh, a violent parent, um, maybe a, uh, even a violent father. And that is, of course, something that I need to work on because that is something that I have experienced in my life and my younger brother also experienced in his life. So working through that or facing the problem head-on can actually, hope so, help me to get through it and get through the, on the other side, accepting and forgiving and moving on. So, this is Kenneth Anderson signing off. I hope you love each other and are kind to one another. This is the 27th of February, 2021. Time is <clears throat> 22.08 and it is Saturday. Bye.